Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls. Coming up, I have an amazing guest. Check this out. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls. I'm your host. And today I have a very, very special guest on. I met this lady in San Diego when I was at the Broadcast Your Authority event. And I mean, she has an unbelievable story. And I'm just going to let her tell it. Let me welcome to the show, Diane Halfman. Diane, am I saying your last name correctly? You are, Ken. Thanks so much. Good to Yay. be here with you. <laughs> yeah. So, so Diane, thank you for like, I've taken a sabbatical from the show for about three months now and um, you're my first guest back. So thank you. You got it. I'm excited that you're going to be on my show later today and we're just I having know. a whole like marathon of conversation. So I'm glad <laughs> I brought you out of the, the darkness. <laughs> You did. You did. So, so Diane, I, I've heard some of your story, a very brief conversation we had at lunch um, during in between sessions out there. And um, we just like we hit it off and and I'm like, all right, this I got to get her on my show. So um, I'm excited for you to share with everybody your story because it's kind of amazing. Um, so, so why don't we start with telling everybody where you were born and raised and all that stuff? Yeah, thanks for asking. You know, I was born and raised in San Diego, California, and uh, which I, you know, had a, a beautiful, you know, family growing up. Uh, I had 12 years of Catholic school, so you know, very much Middle America. You know, um, parents were were there. My mom was home. You know, really had this this great childhood, which is a very interesting kind of step that's really led to uh, my work. And I don't know if you want me just to jump into that. Sure, go for it. Okay. So I, uh, when I went to college, my being the oldest, my dad wanted me to succeed, a, a completely different story. My mother came from a very wealthy family and my dad came from a very poor family. So I had, you know, the, the vantage of seeing both sides of the fence, if you will. And my dad, with me being the oldest, wanted me to succeed. And as I was going into college, he told me, are you going to be an attorney or a doctor? as if those were my only two choices in the world. And I knew I had time to go into medical. So I thought, well, you know, legal law seems interesting. I'll do that. So I got my degree in criminal justice and started my senior year working for an attorney only to realize that it felt like boring work to me. Now, sorry for any of the attorneys out there, but the shepherdizing and the researching and all of that was just not my path. And needed to see like, okay, now what am I going to do, right? So if I'm not going into that and I have this, this law degree, what am I going to do? And so several of the guys I was graduating from were going into law enforcement with San so, Diego PD. So wait, 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 back up real quick. So you got a degree, you're like an attorney? I'm not an attorney. I but have a, a criminal justice. 
Oh, well, I thought you went through the whole law school and everything. No, no. no oh, no. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So three in criminal justice. Okay. Uh, okay. So I, you know, I did some teaching in, in public administration at state and, you know, I could do anything in terms of like, uh, you know, admin It's it's helpful in law enforcement to actually have that. In fact, you get like what's called degree pay. And so it really helps you to have more of a um, understanding of the profession. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you said some of the guys you were, you were graduating with were going into law enforcement. Yes. Okay. So, and that was never on my radar. That was never something I was going to look at. And I, I mean, I was at the time I was married and had two young children. I mean, my daughters were like two and three years old and, um, we were ready for them to, because I had stayed home with them and uh, we're ready for them to start getting into preschool. And this was the time where I was going to start working, but not necessarily in that field. And I started doing, uh, I did a couple ride alongs and I, th- I was intrigued by it. It was interesting. And uh, some of the guys were encouraging me, why don't you just take the test, right? And just see what happens. And so I did. And I, passed with flying colors, you know, just coming out of college. It was like, I'm a good test taker. And uh, one of those things is uh, at the time we were coming off the heels of uh, the serial killer. It was the Green River killer that was killing women all along the coast, starting in in, uh, Washington state to Seattle, down even into San Diego. And there were also a lot of copycat serial killers. So part of what was happening is they were, uh, he was targeting prostitutes. And so by the time I took my test and actually got on the department, it was like three months. And I started this whole journey of being in the academy, uh, being on the street, uh, working patrol, working undercover and being exposed to this world of prostitution because I had a pose as a prostitute because that too, uh, he was killing and targeting. So Ken, imagine this. I'm going from 12 years of Catholic school being a mom of two small children, going into law enforcement and, you know, kissing my children at night and going out and being a prostitute at night. (laughs) This is my life. Oh my gosh. You gotta be kidding me. So, okay. I I don't even know where to take this. Like, so wait, you, so you, you were married. Yes. And your husband was like, bye honey, have fun working a corner. Like, Love you. Be careful. Be safe out there. (laughs) Well, exactly. um, Not so much. And uh, there was actually a a year time where I was in the academy and, you know, my husband knew that I was going to go in some form of law, right? Because I was going to be an attorney. Uh, You know, we were very young at the time and, you know, no one, I think, I don't think we could have really um, prepared for the shifts and changes of going into that kind of work. And, you know, he was not prepared for that. And, you know, I was just think of the role shifts. I mean, we look at, you know, where, where are we in life? And I was, you know, helping him with his business. He was a electrical contractor and, you know, with the kids and having dinner on the table and all of those kind of things to now doing shift work and being the only woman on my squad back then. And he was, he did not embrace that. He did not, um, he did not like what we were, we were up to. Uh, he, I tried to include him in learning more about it. And, uh, he, he was just like, I, I can't do this. He's like, I, you know, I want a divorce and this is, we've been married six years and, and, uh, and, you know, in all fairness, I know that 
I, um, I didn't see a lot of the signs that were shifting. I was just excited because it was like fun, new things for me. I was in the best shape of my life. It was people were asking more about my work than his work. And I wasn't sensitive to seeing how that impacted him and how uh, it worked for us. And so I had just said, because once you go through the academy for a year, you actually have to be in the field for at least a year to get what's called your post accreditation, which actually gives you credit for the work that you've just done. So I'm just like, you know what, let me just get through this this year so I can, you know, have it mean something that I went through all of this training yeah. and, you know, we can see where we go from here. Yeah. And he started to say, yeah, maybe we'll do this. And then he just said, I'm out. And he just like, you know, went through pretty quick processes of, of that happening. And that was probably the biggest um, shift for me of like, no one had been divorced in my family. I come from a, you work everything out. Yeah. And I was just really surprised that this was now a shift that was happening in, in my life. And, you know, thank God I had bought a house across the street from my parents and they really supported me in helping with my girls as I was working night shifts. And so, wow. So I, the, okay. I, the prostitute, like, just for anybody joining, she wasn't a prostitute. She was a she was a, a, a law enforcement officer um, that was working undercover as a prostitute, or you were pretending to be, <laughs> right. to catch a serial killer in San Diego. Right. Yes. Holy moly. Yeah. I didn't okay. know that. That's insane. It was. And what was wild is because you know I was had a pretty sheltered life and didn't really understand or have any comprehension of some of the things that were happening on the street and, and even aspects that you don't learn in the academy. And, you know, I can remember being there and asking uh, the detectives because basically what happens is it's a very vulnerable position because you don't have your gun, your gun bell, you don't have a vest, you don't even have a radio and you are relying on your detectives that are watching you and you're through signals, you know, letting them know like what's happening there on the street. And, you know, there were certain things that people were asking because, you know, we didn't care. I mean, obviously, the whole thing was about soliciting as many people as possible so that we could put them in a time and place uh, yeah. so that we could connect it with with the crimes. We didn't care who was sleeping with who. It was more of like, why were you in a time and place that we could connect it to the crime? So there were nights I arrested like 34 men a night, just continually moving through, talking to people. And there were things that wow. people were asking that I, I had to ask my detectives like, okay, so what does that mean? What do I charge for that? What do I do with that? You know, it was really like talk about like the on the job training in, in a lot of ways. So, uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing, you know, what you see in the movies there. I, I'm assuming there were other girls in the area. Did yeah. they not like, like go oh, this, this, this woman's a cop. Like they didn't, Right. So what we do is when we work a, a certain detail, we what, what's called sweep the streets. So we, you know, remove the girls who are working in the area uh, so that we have a, a certain kind of protected area that oh. there law enforcement in the area that makes sure that we keep that particular area gotcha. um, done. And so then we keep it safe. Right. And we work out of a hotel as well. So whoever is uh, that has done the solicitation, they're walking with me to my hotel room where the arrest team is in the inside. Oh, my gosh. OK, so the million dollar question. Did you catch the serial killer? 
Well, actually, the serial killer was caught through prostitution. Um, it wasn't our team, but he was actually arrested twice. Uh, and it was through uh, the uh, field interrogations and those type of arrests. It is really a helpful tool because of the elements that come to prostitution. People who are on you know, parole or they're associating with, with known um, parolees or gay members. I mean, they all tend to come together. And so when we can arrest them for uh, the uh, type of, of crimes and things that are happening in an area, we can actually put people uh, in in a certain area to be able to identify that. And so it's really helpful to, to use that as a tool uh, because, you know, yes, there's a lot of different people we talk to that, you know, maybe they were just looking for, for sex, right? And yeah. it's like they kind of fall through the cracks of that. But when we can put people at a time and place, it really ties them to bigger areas and bigger uh, crimes. And it really does have a huge dent on, on what's happening because what we've found is that, you know, whether it's a serial killer or someone who's doing uh, an armed robbery series or, you know, a rape series or any of those type of things, they tend to concentrate in an area and have clues that when you get those one, one or two people, it actually decreases crime on a huge level. So it makes really great impact. Uh, <clears throat> we've made breakthrough walls history. You're literally the first person to ever talk about a serial killer on my show. <laughs> <laughs> right? What? This yeah. is crazy. I can't even believe this. Yeah. So, okay. So, wow. That is intent. And I'm going to, I'm just going to be me for a minute. If I was your husband, like, no, I could, I'm not, I couldn't send my wife out to work undercover as a prostitute. I, I, I get it. I, I, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So skip forward a little bit in your career because you were in law enforcement for quite a while. Um, what are some of the other, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I told you when we talked that I have a ridiculous amount of friends that are in, in law enforcement here in Ohio. Um, so I've, I've heard some some interesting stories, none quite as interesting as the one you just told. But um, so what are some other things that you went through in that career that that surprised? I mean, and, and normally I talk a little bit more about your childhood. I mean, you were a good Catholic girl and all of that stuff. Right. So um, you, here you are now a, a, a cop and and. <laughs> doing crazy undercover stuff. What are some of the other things that you, you face that were like shocking to you? Right. Well, another uh, aspect is when you think about, uh, you know, being a police officer, you think every day is about your 911, right? And so you are answering, you know, one crisis after the another. And it's not like, you know, the cats in the tree. It's somebody got stabbed, somebody was shot, somebody was raped. And so you look at the environment that you have and that, you know, is your everyday experience. And I just have so much respect for my, you know, anybody who are first responders, whether it's military or law enforcement, because I think people don't actually realize the amount of, of daily, you know, drama and trauma that actually occurs uh, in, a, in a daily shift. Now, it's yeah. definitely also uh, interspersed with a extreme boredom in writing a lot of paper and writing and documenting and, uh, you know, a lot of, of calmness, if you will. Uh, I don't know if there's, and that's probably not the right word. I don't know if there's calmness. There's just more of a lull in between. It's like 
the adrenaline rush of being on and off, on and off, and really getting to understand the the mindset of how people make decisions and what they're doing. And uh, one of the uh, areas that I worked had uh, a lot of gangs in it. And so getting to understand kind of the gang uh, mindset and why why they spent time together, what they did, uh, you know, really was uh, an interesting uh, experience and anything from being uh, being shot at, you know, really having the understanding of um, knowing what it feels like to be shot at and feeling the whiz of a, of a bullet going by, having guns put on you in the alley, you know, really having to build your instincts about how you are making very quick decisions based on what you know in the moment. And there's so many times things are like, you know, Monday morning quarterback where they're like, oh, if I, you know, this was presented to me, I would do this and I would do that. It's like, well, you've got three seconds. What would you do in three seconds to actually make your decisions and do the things that, that you are doing, um, which led to, uh, you know, uh, Carrie, who I'm, I'm currently with now, my man, who he was also with the department for 30 years. Wow. And we do a lot of teaching together. In fact, we uh, bridge communication between uh, communities and law enforcement and teach de-escalation, that there's a lot of communication skills that can be had that really helps uh, communities understand where law enforcement are coming from and to give the officers better tools to, uh, to de-escalate situations. Now, you know, no one wants to have those situations where you have to make uh, ultimate life and death situations uh, or decisions, but you have to have those tools to, you know, how is it that when you first encounter someone, who are you, how are you being, how are you, you know, assessing what's happening to make those, those better choices. And so uh, that's something that we are, are really uh, passionate about is helping in the communication and the de-escalation and connecting with chiefs of police all over the world uh, to make sure that they're, they're, troops and teams and squads are, are getting those skills. Wow. So your husband or your man, right? I, I don't know. Are you married? <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't even ask. That that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, he was in for 30 years and I assume he's retired now. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and so at some point though, along the way you decided to retire, I mean, you, so you worked, you worked in the gang. Did you work in like a gang unit as well? Or I did, I did undercover assignments with that, where we would, we would connect, like get Intel, but it was part of our patrol that we would do where we got to do what was called 1186, where we would get to work in plain clothes to gather information for when we were on patrol. So we could do a little bit both. What was really nice when I was on is that we got to do a lot of what was called neighborhood policing, where we actually worked a lot more with the community. And they, uh, you know, in, in a lot of the communities, a lot of people think because there's gang activity in a certain neighborhood that every part of the neighborhood is bad. Um, and it's not. It's actually some people that really care about their kids and, you know, right. they want to make sure that things aren't happening. Um, you know, especially when a lot of drive by shootings were happening back then, the um, get down series was happening where they were taking automatic weapons into grocery stores. Uh, a lot of the gangs were doing some of that. So, you know, you have to be on top of like who's doing what in the area and to really um, make make a difference with that. And this is in San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, okay. So my, f I've never like, that was my first time in San Diego 
couple yeah. like two, right. three weeks ago, right? Mm -hmm. It it was I thought it was amazing. I, I didn't I didn't it's, see any of this stuff. You know what? And 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 we want to keep it that way. <laughs> you know, uh, most cities actually that have a lot of things is going on. And it's interesting when it comes to uh, reporting and things that that happen. A lot of people they really don't know what's happening. You know, a mile away from their home, and and it's not that. Um, you know, and a lot of these were also situational in the time, you know, different gangs were coming down from LA and then they were instigating gangs that were down here. And so, you know, this, this was, you know, we had a gang suppression team at the time were, which were making a huge uh, difference. And a lot of the departments have been, you know, disbanding some of those things. And um, I think it's insane because I think there's a, an absolute correlation between having gang suppression teams and reduction in murder. So if you look at the cities that have high murder rates, they probably have had specialized units because of, of funding that have been disbanded. Wow. That's, that's, that's unreal. So, so what, uh, how long were you, cause you're no longer a, a law enforcement officer, correct? Right. So at some point you retired. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, there's actually, there's two things um, kind of along the lines that are kind of in the middle of, of my, my work. And I'm going to tell you about a, a relationship that I had uh, in between my marriage and my current, my current relationship. Okay. Uh, I'm going to um, start, start with that. And uh, because one of the things that I, I talk about a lot is where are we being undercover in our life? Because I believe that we have a private life that our family knows about and it's our inner sanctum, our, our close friends and family. And we have our public life. Maybe that's our work. Maybe that's our mission, the things we're doing. But I also believe a lot of us have a, uh, I think actually all of us have an aspect that maybe we just don't even realize it, have an undercover life. That there's parts and aspects of our life that we don't share, that we um, maybe we're embarrassed, there's some shame, there's some things that are that happen in and around that. And I really um, speak to this. I talk to people about this, uh, about seeing where that is for you, because when you know the aspects of your life where you're being undercover, you can put some light on that. You can shift that. You can have close people you talk to about that. Now, picture this. I was in a uh, relationship for, for many years that uh, looked fairly good on the outside to a lot of people. And, you know, I'm either working undercover, I'm working patrol, I'm doing things to help other people. But the undercover part of my life that that I was not sharing was that I was in a, a fairly uh, a, abusive relationship. And there was a time where in the beginning of that, he uh, reacted um, very abruptly to me. Um, and it it really affected, even though that part only happened once, there was more of the uh, walking on eggshells, shifting who I was being and not sharing um, a lot of things about myself uh, because of that relationship. And, you know, now looking back on it, I could be like, okay, here I am, an educated woman. I have a degree. I see scenarios every day where people need to have help. And I started having my own mindset around, well, you know, my relationship isn't as bad as, right? And right. I know that I was trying to keep things together in my own family because I'd already experienced a divorce. Uh, I really wanted to um, feel like I could work it out no matter what. Yeah. And so I, I share that because I believe that there are a lot of people, whether it's men or women, tends to see it more with women, where they're trying to keep it all together. 
you know, in their family, in their work, in the things that they're doing. And they don't want anyone to know um, some of the things that are happening, some of the decisions they're making, because it can feel embarrassing. Yeah. Right. I feel like, yeah. well, you know, uh, you should have known better type thing. Or, you know, if you can't make the decision, who can? And I know for me is that some of the things that happen, um, especially in uh, if you've got a, a pretty drama filled work like I did, you know, each day it becomes like a little bit of eroding of being a little, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit less of yourself. Right. And not being able to see which in retrospect, you can look back and go like, oh, why did you not just walk away? Why did you not do this? Why didn't you say anything? But each day in a 24 hour period when you are taking care of kids and you're doing your work and you're doing all the things and you're seeing people who are being, you know, shot and killed and hurt, you know, in, in comparison, you're like, well, that's not that big of a deal. Right. Right. And those are some of the mindset things that can happen in that. And so I, you know, we're talking about areas of our life where we can be stuck. Yeah. I, Really stuck in the um, the dream of wanting to be in a relationship that works at all costs and not looking at the nuances that were undermining who I was being, um, my own self-esteem and how I was being undercover in my own life uh, while I was at the same time being able to help other people out in the world. Wow, that's powerful. That is very, very powerful. Yeah. So, so you, you, I, eventually you woke up to that. I did. And reality. there was a specific, uh, there was actually a very specific case, um, that did that. I, part of, uh, I was in a training accident where I actually, I shattered my gun hand and mm. all the bones in my hand. I actually, uh, you know, had to have a, a seven hour surgery where they had to re kind of build my hand and had an external fixator. I actually have six holes through the side of my hand. Oh you my really gosh. I had to relearn how to use my hand. And so that led to uh, me transitioning out of the department. Uh, but within that first year is, um, you know, moving through that first year, I was uh, the liaison between the police department and a friend of mine who lived a mile away from me. We had played softball together and her seven-year-old daughter had been kidnapped. And three, uh, it took three weeks us to find her because she had had been killed and oh. one of the things that had happened during that case was uh you know come to find out it was um it was the van damme case she was taken on 020202 never forget that case it was the last case that i had been involved in the neighbor who had been really stalking her and um it's just it's amazing when you think you've done everything it really shook you know not only san diego but it was became a national case because you know, uh, there were a lot of things where they were really trying to find things on on the parents and certain things about them. But, you know, really, uh, it was amazing how they had an alarm system. They had a dog. They had all these things that you think would protect, you know, your family. And when you're targeted, you're, you're targeted. And yeah. it really affected, you know, my daughters and their sense of safety. And I was on the news quite a bit then and a lot of things happening. And so this was the tail end of that relationship that you know had so many obstacles in it and uh, I remember him calling me uh, when I was on this case and he just was very nonchalant because I was working on you know this, those first three weeks when we were looking for her um, we had a big volunteer team and people were really supporting uh, you know the family in this and he was uh, calling me saying like uh, hey what time's dinner <laughs> Wow. 
I was like, uh, I'm kind of in the middle of this case right now. You know, I'm not going to be coming home for that. And he's like, you know, they don't need you there. You just want to be uh, on camera and, you know, you mm. really come home. Wow. And, you know, we had so many ups and downs in this relationship. And it was like a, a moment from God where I was just kind of stood still in that moment. I just said, you know what? I'm not living like this. I'm not going to be in this kind of, of, you know, demeaning relationship. I don't want this to be the example for my daughters. I, yeah. I know I'm meant for more. Right. And I had just said, we're done. And, and that it, it, it took that level of that case um, for me to see that I'm, I'm definitely here to do something more. What, what was his profession or does it, was he in uh, law enforcement? He was actually in law enforcement. Okay. Right. And yeah. you know, wow. it's, it's interesting to see it's a it's really challenging because uh you know law enforcement actually has the highest divorce rate profession and you know we are away from home more than we are from home and we see things that you know people don't want to see and right. i was at that point as i was retiring out i was on a very big mission i was learning a lot of different modalities about removing trauma from your body about you know personal growth about really shifting the perspective on a very uh, active level of yeah. how I wanted to be in the world. Wow. Uh, and, and at this point you're like 25 <laughs> and you've gone, I don't know, I, however old you weren't, weren't yeah. very old at all. And you, you went through right. a lot of crap yeah. quick, like fast. I did. Baptism by fire. Congratulations. Right. Because it brings you out and, and makes you something else. So, Absolutely. so, so you eventually got out of that relationship. Right. Um, and, and you moved on, you, um, well, you shattered your, your gun hand, which kind of made me, and you said that was in a training accident. Right. So we do, uh, one another aspect that we did undercover is that we would use mountain bikes to uh, roll up on potential suspects because yeah. uh, they could hear our cars and they you know would scatter. So we would use mountain yeah. bikes to roll up on. There was a what was called a ten eight five one series, which is uh, stolen vehicles, and when you use mountain bikes to roll up on them to you know kind of thwart that whole activity. And um, I we were I was going down on my bike and hit a pothole went over the top, put my hand out, shattered all the bones in my hand. In fact, my hand was actually bent back towards my elbow. Oh my. Yeah. Oh. So when I went to the emergency room, they're like, you know, we have to snap this back or you could lose the hand. Oh my God. Um, I actually have really great mobility and did a lot of, um, you know, wow. training and things. But if um, the retirement came that if I broke my hand again, they said I couldn't get in any more street fights. And that if I, <laughs> I broke the hand again that uh, I had a 33% chance of paralysis and that was too high of a liability to keep me on the department. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So you, you were kind of forced into retirement. Right. Yep. <clears throat> Which is a bad thing. I mean, we're always, you know, I believe that I, uh, I did my time. I look at it as like uh, yeah. you know, five years on the department where you're ready just to move into something else. And I really took a lot of, and, and, you know, this is why, when I work with people, they really look at what were some of those skills and those mindsets and things that I was able to ascertain on the street to yeah. be able to utilize. And, and one of the things I had coined uh, early on was the clutter to drama ratio, that the more clutter you had in your space, the more drama that you created in your life. And um, that's wow. when I had, you know, for 
especially for entrepreneurs who are trying to do creative things in the world, you know, there's different things that are, um, you know, holding us back. And when we look at our space and the environments, whether it's the people, you know, I look at this in my own, you know, relationships, um, my personal space, uh, who we're spending time with, you know, whatever's, what's our mindset, all of those things can cause uh, clutter. So it's not just physical clutter, it's just how we're, we're showing up. And so when we see those areas that are, are having us stuck, right, yeah. then we can actually do something about that. And uh, one of the other uh, things I had mentioned was, or that I had coined was the, uh, that creativity craves clarity. So you want to create clarity anywhere that you can. So you can be that creative person that you can step into those things and really notice, uh, things that we're not seeing. You're, you, you know, Vicki, our friend Vicki that introduced us. I love Vicki. Um, she, you know, she's like, Oh my God, you're not going to believe how amazing this woman is. And I, concur you're you're amazing so so you you um geez i don't I, like I, i'm almost lost like i don't know like you've been through and you weren't that old when you retire or when you is it called retired medical yeah, retirement I'm medically retired yes I, I was uh 35 so i was on the department 25 to 35 okay so you spent 10 years as in law enforcement and you, you said something about they could hear they could hear your cars coming i was like yeah there's nothing quite like the sound of that interceptor engine in a in a in a cop car Absolutely. not that i would know what that means but uh. <laughs> right. You can, you'd have a call, which is like, you know, a four five nine alarm, like a burglary alarm. And you would like, you know, roll down the street. And it's like, everybody's ghost. It's like, where'd they go? And then you, know, you, that... right? and you start realizing like, huh, if I just kind of turn down the corner and I either ride up on a bike or I just walk in, oh, here's everybody. Uh, yeah. Welcome to the party. <laughs> so, so, so at 35 years old, here you are. Um, you know, and, and it appears from what I can tell in your energy talking about it, um, you loved it. I did, you know, I love the, um, I love, it was kind of a love hate relationship really, because I loved being in the know. Like I loved being able to walk into a scene, see what's going on and actually be able to do something about it. You know, there's right. something about boots on the street to actually be able to, uh, and I take this into my work. I can walk into, uh, and, you know, a boardroom, an office, you know, or personal entrepreneurs and look at all the chaos and ma'am that people are, are experiencing on their daily basis and be like, boom, I see this, this, and this, we can shift and change this right away, you know, because you don't want to, and one of the things you definitely learn quickly in the police department is that if you hesitate, uh, or, you know, in your head, you're dead, right? Yeah. So you really have to be able to make decisions quickly. Say and that again. Say, I want everybody to hear that. Okay. In your head, you're dead. Right. And what I mean by that is that, yes, we want to logically think through things. We want to look through different processes, but when it comes to actually taking action and implementing, you don't want to stay in your head. You want to take action. You want to actually move, right? I mean, think about it. If you had a, a, a you know, some emergency happen, you had a, a law enforcement show up at your house and they said, you know, let me just take, uh, you know, 30 minutes to decide if this is a critical situation or make a decision or, you know, you don't have time for those kind of delays. And when we look at our life that way uh, in our relationships and in our business and how we're being our missions, we don't have a lot of time. 
right? We want to be able to look at all the possibilities, have a plan, but then execute on that plan, actually make it happen. And one of the things that really brought this to fruition, because I work with just such brilliant people that have a lot of you know the, the mental uh, capacity to make a lot of different decisions. And I remember talking to um, one of the women who is um, an executive for a big company, used to making a lot of decisions. And when she uh, shared with me, when she's in a boardroom and she has these great ideas, she second guesses herself. She doesn't bring it to the table because she wants to have all the details and wants it to be perfect and all these things happen. But time and time again, she realizes when she doesn't, actually voice those uh, great ideas. Almost moments later, one of the other men in the room will have that same idea, right? It's talk about yeah. that, that think space, right? Because it's, it's in the space, whether we say it out loud or not, they say it, they get the credit, they move with it. You know, she then feels bad. She's like, wow, why did I say anything? And we stay in this, you know, uh, analysis paralysis. Yeah. And it's so important to just like put it out there, right? I mean, it's, was really challenging. In fact, um, one of our, our colleagues in the in the world here, uh, Lisa Turney, who has a uh, show, it's uh, probably want to say it's a get effing real in essence, right? <laughs> She's one of the first people that really encouraged me to share the aspects of my undercover life, not just on the department, but in my personal life yeah. to really show people that, you know, you don't have to have it all figured out. It doesn't have to always look perfect. And, you know, I, cause I'd have people like, Oh, well, it's easy for you. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know what, I've been a single parent. I've, I've been on the street. I've been, you know, in, you know, fights in my work and in, in my personal life. And, I know one of the things that I know for sure is that we have to trust ourselves and in the moment and to just move through that. And it's so much more freeing, which is really how it came about the name of, uh, you know, another coin that I had was, uh, was with Spa Life, which is my show, Live Your Spa Life. That's on my podcast is that the SPA is for seek power always. And that power, and some people don't like that word because they feel like they think of it in terms of people abusing power. But right. I look at that power is, it's that power within you, that you are your own power. Power doesn't happen outside of yourself. We may allow things to happen. You know, we can have victim experiences, but we don't have to operate as a victim. And it's so important for us to really access we have so much inner knowing that we maybe discount or we think that other people know more than we do and i feel like most of the time i'm with my clients it's really about giving them permission to really come from that knowing come from that wisdom and we have so much life experience that no one has seen it from the vantage point that we have and we all have so much to offer wow so <clears throat> So many thoughts run. I, I should take, I should be taking notes, <clears throat> but I, I, I don't, I hate taking notes because I feel like I'm missing the moment. Right. So, um, but you reminded me of something I read. Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote about something. Um, and I've seen it in other, other like spiritual books. Um, and that's the hundredth monkey syndrome where you're talking about that, that energy of thought is in the room that that when when you know you have an idea 
act now go right and i i'm i'm actually speaking in vegas this month and and it's a blessing i was asked to speak at this conference and and so i'm going out and it, and my entire speech is about making a decision like deciding right. right and executing like now right now stop yeah. putting it off and i love that because and i've used this example i'm sure you have have you ever walked through a store and seen a new product or something and went I thought about doing that like 10 years ago, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the energy's out there. The thoughts already exist. You don't originate your thoughts. They come from somewhere else. That's my theory, right? But I'm with you on that. I believe that we are these vessels where, you know, things move through us. Yes, that is a, you know, from a spiritual or universal energy or, or yeah. God, or you know, what that is for you. There is definitely something bigger that that gathers all the different possibilities in the world and chooses you to move through you. Because I mean, how many times have you been and I've, I'm so amazed when this happens, when I will be consulting with someone and all of a sudden I just kind of almost step out of my own way and things just start flowing through me. And I'll like be like, who said that? Like, where did that even come? <laughs> I'm like, I don't think I could even create that if I wanted to. And just really yeah. coming from that place of allowing and, and having that happen, you know, moving things happening, you know, for you, right? Yeah. Things are happening yeah. to you. And you are just really being that mirror and you're allowing uh, that to happen. And it's so important. Uh, and I really did you know, bring this from my police experience is that uh, to make a decision and then pivot right? You can see what happens and then you can move because there'd be times where let's say an emergency is happening, right? And you've got to get into a, a home right now. Like it's a life or death situation. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'll try the front door. Sorry. It doesn't work. I'm just going to leave. You know, that decision didn't work. <laughs> no, you go through a window, you go around the back, you figure out a way you, you, right. you make it happen. It yeah. may not be the original way you thought it was going to happen, but you do make it happen. And uh, it's funny because sometimes we think someone else is going to make it happen or that we, we aren't standing in our own power, that that's what that is. And um, I have a funny story I had uh, kind of early on in my career where um, I, I actually uh, worked a lot. I was what's called a, the area I worked was called 318 John. And that was I was a single unit. And so because there were certain units that had to have um, you know, somebody cover, I'd have a lot of the canine officers that would cover me. And it's a whole kind of different story. And I'm, I'm hoping things have evolved more in the departments. But one of the reasons why I wrote alone was that um, my sergeant pulled me in the room when I first started into uh, his office and said, hey, you know, the wives and girlfriends have asked me to not have you ride with their husbands. And so he said, I'm going to have to have you ride by yourself. And I'm sure that's not like, okay, now in these days and times, but yeah. uh, okay, I guess that's how we're going to roll here. Wow. So, I was going to a domestic violence call and my cousin had actually gone on a ride along with me. And if you can just picture my cousin, she's like in a fur coat and her heels and, you know, one of the, the, you know, older, you know, cell phones and, you know, she's, you know, walking where, you know, there was like these uh, three levels of stairs that we were walking up to. And, and I was, you know, just talking with the canine officer as we're walking up and she's with us. And as we're getting closer, you could hear like more things happening, you know, something's hitting against the wall and things oh. are, and things are all these things are happening and you know we're walking up and we're you know talking about how we're going to set our, our tactics and and what it's going to look like as we we get up there and all of a sudden my cousin pulls out her phone and she starts dialing on her phone as we're walking up towards this this critical call and um i'm like who are you calling and she's like i'm calling 911 and uh, <laughs> like, 
our 911. <laughs> <laughs> we have to deal with this. <laughs> and it just, it's, no. it's funny when you think about it, but it's also something I share with my clients because you know what? You are the solution right? You are the one that makes it happen. It's not like you're going to have a lot more time to decide and, right. and figure it out. It's like, you just have to step into it and just be the solution. And that's when I talk about, about spa life, about, you know, seek power, always the power within yourself is that you are that power. You are that answer. And you just have to give yourself permission to access it and act on it. And if it's wrong, it's okay. Pivot. Wow. See that like that's just that's so powerful. And what an awesome story to use as the metaphor too. That's incredible. But that's what it that like you being in the position of, you know, being in law enforcement and the thousands of calls or or incidents yeah. that you've been involved in or seen and deaths and murders and rapes and, and drug dealing, everything. That puts you in a pretty unique position to be able to 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 give back and help the world. Yeah. yeah so, so now, um, and I cannot see an hour goes so fast. It's insane. <laughs> we have like 13 minutes left. Um, but the you know, now here you are, you're doing some amazing things. Why don't you talk a little bit about um, and I think you were going to give everybody that's watching a free little gift, which is amazing of you. We can get to that, but um, I'll let you disclose as you go, but um, talk a little bit about what you do now. Okay, perfect. Thanks, Ken. So really most of what I do now is, is consulting. So, you know, there are people that want me in their corner to see the things that they're not seeing to help them make quicker decisions to really, uh, not only from accountability standpoint, but to give themselves permission to do some of the bigger things that they want to do. I mean, we can get so stuck in the minutia uh, of life. And so to, uh, to really do that really supports people. And, you know, it's interesting because I don't really put a lot of labels as far as, you know, what I do or, or what the name of that is, because I've actually had somebody, this is so wild, Ken, uh, who heard me on a, a podcast and lives uh, in another country and connected with me, I think he sent me a Facebook messenger and just said, I need you to be my spiritual advisor. Wow. Like, okay, I'm not <laughs> sure what that'll look like, but okay. And we, I do consulting with him and it's just amazing. You know, he has, you know, several, uh, you know, businesses that he does and yeah. you know, I could actually see the things that he wasn't seeing where he was in his own way. And it has shifted things for him, uh, not only in his business, but in his in his relationships, right? Because I can see how certain decisions impact family. I mean, not only from my own personal experience, but when you are in thousands of homes and you see how certain things impact, um, it's really helpful in doing that. And then I have um, another client who uh, she flies me into her team quarterly because she likes me to be able to deliver information to her team that she doesn't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, <laughs> are you like, packing? <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I go, okay. I, so I have to be bad cop for your, for your team. Carrie uh, <laughs> you know, actually comes with it. He usually he's good cop and I'm bad cop where it's like, yeah. okay, you know, everybody knows the elephant in the room. What's going on here right now. We're going to be making some changes and wow. we're going to be making, be pulling the band-aid off here. Wow. So, 
really being able to look at it from from those different perspectives. And so, so I you got you guys play good cop bad. Cop. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the irony! So I know. wow, that's crazy. Oh, right. So, so you do a lot of consulting and, and, and see, that's again, your experience. And I think if I may point out a couple of things, um, I think that, you know, you doing what you're doing, like a lot of people would have shattered their, their gun hand left on a medical retirement and crawled into a hole somewhere and kind of not given up, but you know what I'm talking about. And right. I know people like that and I'm sure you do as well. And, and, you know, you, you didn't do that. You chose to, to use your experience to empower others. Right. You know, can I, I mean, I can never be in the shoes of someone else. And I, I know that there right. is a lot of reasons on, on why people want to move away to remote areas after law enforcement because of what they've experienced. We've right. lost uh, a lot of friends, uh, you know, even one as recently as last week to suicide. Right. Uh, it's a lot to live with some of the things that, um, you know, that we've seen, you know, to see, uh, you know, one of the first people that I saw die was a 13 year old boy, you know, and we were, were locked eyes and to be in in the presence of someone um having um such tragic things that happen and, and so many things that can be preventable and you know just the responsibility that comes from all of that and you know i really do kind of live with the tenant of you know to who to whom much is given much is expected yeah and i really believe that uh you know because of my experience and you know so many other people out there i mean i just i my hats off to anyone who's in a profession of service where they put their own life on the line yeah. uh, to help others. And I think it's so important that we, I think, particularly in first responder positions, realize how short life really is because we really do see it um, on a daily basis. And even if we, and it comes in stages, you know, there could be days or weeks that you aren't seeing it, but then there's streaks where you see somebody die every day, right? Yeah. And an amazing experience of of life and humanity and reality and so for me it's a big catalyst of that not having those things happen in vain that yeah. uh, for the things that we get bogged down as as entrepreneurs and as parents and things that you know sometimes we get so in you know laser focused into the the minutiae of things that we're not focusing on the things that actually move the needle that actually move us forward and so just having the perspective yeah to like, you know what, if we're here for this blip, what do you want to do with it? Like, what's it what's it actually look like? And I think it's important and it's part of our responsibility to to find out what that is for us. And and I'm not saying from, hey, get into a first responder business. I'm saying whatever you're doing, be the first responder of that. Right. You you know, the buck stops with you. You're not waiting for everyone else to approve of it. You're moving forward with the things that you've been you know, guided to do the things that you are are meant to do. And that's where um, and I think just having some some checklists that help, too. And that's where, you know, and this is part of what I'll, I'll give to the audience here is I've got, you know, resetyourpowergift.com. And we can put that in the in the show notes as well. But, it, you know, it's resetyourpowergift.com. And okay. part of that is we can reset our life at any time. Right. No matter what happens, we can have things that really take the the breath out of us, you know, whether we gone through it's reset your power gift yes reset your power gift.com okay. 
And that is a very simple five moves to step into your power. Like what, where are you giving your power away? What do you need to change? What do you need to do? I mean, just to have a quick checklist and to kind of do an inventory of what's yeah. working and not working really allows us to to step into that and to make that difference that that we are here to make. And, you know, life can be challenging. I mean, no one said it was going to be easy. I mean, I think sometimes in this world of, of instant access, you yeah. know, that we think that everything's going to be easy. And that doesn't really allow us to grow or, or to challenge us. And then when we can actually be in the face of, of challenging things and see what's in this for me, like yeah. what is it that can, how can I utilize this to, you know, make an impact for the better. When we utilize it from that perspective, then we know these things aren't happening in vain. I just saw one of my law enforcement buddies just join the stream. So um, <clears throat> you're in good company. So, so the, I'm completely blown away. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I, I, um, cause I lie all the time. I hate that. I hate it when people say, I'll be honest with you. I'm like, why are you lying to me every other time? Um, but like, I, I, I wasn't expecting this. I, I, I was not expecting this and I'm literally blown away by you. You're amazing. And, and, you know, thank you for your service too. And, and, and your man, thank him for, for his service. I, 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 as you know, I, I love law enforcement and, and first responders. I've, I've done a lot of work to help, um, here in Ohio with, with, with some, uh, some stuff. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful for law enforcement. And it's probably because of my alcoholism days. I, my, uh, one of my detective buddies says, you just have post a post arrest disorder or something like that. I'm like, dude, maybe, but you know, I, I was, uh, I had, I had a different life before, but, um, you know, I think that what you're doing is amazing. And I, I, you know, we see, you see it, I see it, um, out on social media. There's a lot of people that, that hate on coaches and consultants and, and, you know, um, and I actually saw a post about it the, this morning and I was like, you know, I have a coach and, and, and I've had multiple coaches and consultants over, over my career. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's really, really good to have somebody that can be objective, look at your situation, assess it. And somebody with like experience that can say, dude, here's where you're screwing up. If you just make this one little tiny tweak right here, it, it can change the trajectory of your entire life. Right. right. But yeah. sometimes we're so stuck in it. I've been there where you're so focused on the problem that you can't see the solution and it might be right there next to you. Right. Absolutely. It's so important to have trusted advisors around you in your space. I mean, one of my favorite quotes by uh, Les Brown is you can't see the big picture when you're in the frame. When you're wow. in it, you cannot see, you know, around you, above you, through you. And sometimes it's the most obvious things. You may have people on your team that are telling you certain things, but if you don't have someone on the outside that can see the things that you guys have maybe become, you know, numb to, then you're, you're missing the mark. Wow. You're, I love that quote. Les Brown's awesome too. Yeah. Great guy. Listen, we, I know you've got another commitment that you've got to get to. 
Um, I, I think everybody has that's that's stayed on here and watched for the whole thing is probably just as blown away as I am. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you. I could talk to you all day. Like, and I'm sure your stories. I mean, we did. We didn't even. Uh, there's no yeah. way we scratched the surface. No, there's definitely there's definitely others there. So you know, if, sure. if anyone on you know listening, you know, here's like just one aspect, and you know there were a lot of times where I didn't share some of my stories, especially my personal stories behind, because there is that little part in your, your head. In fact, I always say that, you know, your, your mind is a bad neighborhood. Don't go in there alone. Yeah. You know, because you know, there is those aspects where it's like, who are you to share this? And other people have had, you know, worse things happen or, you know, just that, who are you kind of thing. And I've talked to Vicki a lot about that, about the bully in your head. And, yeah. you know, it's like, it's really more from a perspective of who are you not to, right? Your perspective is unique. Your experience is unique. Your wisdom is something that people need to hear about. So when those things come up about, you know, maybe there's, you know, and here we are, this is, it's a risk, right? Being on social media where there could be haters, you know, that uh, don't yeah. like cops or they don't like women or they don't like, you know, anything that we've said. I mean, who knows, right? But it's about feeling that fear and doing it anyway. And that's where it comes down to choosing courage. And that really is a bigger part of my message is that, you know, we could, we could shrink away, but choosing courage is what people really need now. Amen, sister. I, I totally agree. And I, I think that, and you said people that don't like cops, those, those are people that are felons in hiding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I, I, I'll tell you, like, I, I'm not a cop, but I, 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 when I hear, when I see people hating on cops, yeah. uh, there's very little that makes my blood boil. That that's, right. one, that's one of them. Like right. that, that one gets me like, dude, like who's the first, what's the first thing you're going to do if somebody's chasing you through your home in a gun with a gun, like nine one one, you're going to call a cop. And play, they have a gun. Like anyway, right. so I know. that's a whole yeah. nother story. <laughs> yeah, whole nother. Yeah. So yeah. listen, you're amazing. I am so grateful that you took the time to come on. I, I'm and and we're Facebook friends. Like that's awesome, right? Absolutely. So, so Diane, thank you so much. And everybody go to she's giving you a free gift and re recount the gift one more time. Yes, resetyourpowergift.com. And what is it that they get? Right. So it's five moves to, you know, stand more in your power. Like where are you giving it away? Like what do you need to ship? What do you need to look at? It gives oh. you a framework, a checklist to really see well, what, you know, where are you doing that in your life? That's awesome. Resetyourpowergift.com. It's up on the screen. We'll put it in as a link when when we finish up. You guys all go over there, get your free gift from Diane. Diane, thank you so much. Make sure that you're all following her on Facebook and I assume Instagram and um, LinkedIn everywhere. Follow Diane and reach out to her. It looks like, it looks like she could definitely help you. So thank you, Diane. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. Talk Don't to you soon. Don't hang up yet. I'm going to end the broadcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. I've seen a bunch of people share this out. So thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. And you guys have an awesome, awesome day. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.